Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to focus on company culture and the concept of culture as a service. And my awesome guest today is Juan Luis Betancourt, CEO over at Human Intelligence. Juan has previously been named as a top 100 HR tech influencer by HR Executive Magazine. So he's already super famous, but hopefully he gets even more famous after being on this show. Hey, Juan, welcome to the HR Chat Podcast today. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. So beyond my brief introduction there, sir, why don't you start by telling our listeners a bit about yourself, your career background, and also a bit about the mission of Human Intelligence. Yeah, so I'm a Cuban-American from the Northeast, grew up in Maryland and Virginia, uh, got good education from places like Harvard and Wharton Business School, um, then worked, went to work at Procter & Gamble, uh, and then several other brands like Reebok, Puma, uh, the largest sports brand in the world, uh, actually it's called Decathlon out of France, worked there for a while uh, in France for five years. Uh, then I did um, software with Siebel Systems, helped grow the company from uh, just 110 employees to 12,000 employees in one year uh, as a, an executive there, uh, then changed courses and became a headhunter, a executive search consultant formally at Corn Ferry and Hydric and Struggles as a partner, and then ran my own search firm. All of those different experiences, both 15 years internationally and in the U.S., education led me to launching Human Intelligence five years ago which is the culture software. And what we do is we actually deliver culture as a service so companies can measure, manage, and hire for an intentional culture and improve performance. We're the first company ever to be able to do that with data, not with surveys. Uh, and every client we have, we actually change their performance both in uh, turnover uh, reduction as in performing teams and helping them perform better and collaborating better. Wowza. We have some amazing guests on this podcast. Hey, listeners, my goodness me. Um, okay, so let's let's sort of dissect this term culture as a service. Uh, I like it. Um, it. It sounds quite transactional, but it also, uh, I think, perhaps gets at the heart of what a lot of companies are trying to do right now. Um, perhaps you can start there. Then. Uh, how, how does one define culture? Uh, what advice would you give on culture generally in terms of what those goals should be? And please, as, as part of your answer, please define this, this term culture as a service. Yeah, so what's great about the definition is I would be presumptuous to say that I defined it. Um, we actually took it from two of the largest consulting firms in the world that look at organizational behavior. One is Deloitte and the other, and that's the, they have a group called the Burson uh, Center at Deloitte, as well as a group at uh, PwC called the Kotzenbach Center. Those two groups define it the same. And actually any scientist in IO psychology or in industri industrial psychology all agree. And so we just built a platform that does what the theory says. And the theory is the following. Culture is three things. We call it BMW framework. That's kind of our assessment measures that. It measures BMW. B for behaviors, M for motivators or what some people call values. What, and that's what drives your behaviors, and W for work styles. And it's not a top-down thing where you put on a T-shirt, a corporate website, and your coffee mugs at, at Coca-Cola and tell everybody, hey, this is who you are. It's actually bottom-up, okay? And so culture is 
the BMW of an organization, of a division, of a team. Oh, and by the way, there is not one culture at a company. Uh, uh, contrary to the Fortune 500 in the US, where 80% have the same four values on their websites, they all say they're agile, they all say they're customer-centric, they all say that you know they're, they're team-oriented, right? Okay, contrary to that, you actually have different cultures in your organization by function, by geo, by division, right? So GE Healthcare probably has a very different culture than GE Oil and Gas and versus GE Energy versus GE uh, Electric, right? Um, Coca-Cola has a different culture in their finance and accounting team than they do in their marketing team, than their sales team. Oh, and by the way, um, IBM Brazil, which sits next to Argentina, has a different culture in IBM in Brazil versus Argentina. We're the first company to actually measure that and, and display that in visual ways with insights for leaders to use that information actionably every day, every week, every month. Okay, then I guess my next question has to be how? How, how do you guys measure? What, what are those touch points? What, what, what are, what's that data that, that, that proves out the case? Great question. So everyone is aware of these personality tests or psychometric assessment you know, instruments. Some are more validated and, and, and scientific than others. Um, and they've been around for 50 or 60 years. Now, the problem with those tests, although many are very accurate, they're only measuring one of the three elements. So most tests, for instance, um, uh, measure just behaviors. So look at DISC, predictive index, strength finders, all of those, you know, Caliper, Berkman, all of those are just measuring behaviors. You also need the motivators or values of people, which that in that case, you're looking at Lominger, Hogan, some SHL tools, TTI tools, but that's really expensive. And you're only giving to executives. So you're not able to understand a complete organization. You're only getting the top and that's actually not where it's most needed. And then lastly, those tools, both the behavior and motivator tools, the BM tools out there were done for self-awareness. They weren't created to look at how the environment gives or takes energy from you, which is your work styles or work energizers. So you could actually have two people with the same disc or strength finders or predictive index or two people with the same Hogan, one miserable, one happy in the same company in the same job. And what explains that is the work energizers. So we have the world's most comprehensive tool, scientific instrument that's been validated over 30 years, so it is EEOC compliant. It, it follows all the um, um, adverse impact studies, okay? And so we built one that in 12 minutes measures what no one else in the world can measure in one hour. Now that's just the test. We actually don't even charge for that. We give that because there's no value for a company for everyone as individuals to know themselves better. You need to create a software platform that then takes the insights and feeds it to each individual at their fingertips 24 seven when they're writing an email. So they just click on a name. When they go into a calendar for a meeting, an important meeting, they see the culture of the meeting. When they're about to work with a new team member who's onboarded or a new project uh, team member at PwC who they're gonna work cross-functionally with, um, with a new client. In those moments, you need insights and you don't have the time or money um, to hire a consultant who's certified to come and tell you how to use the tool and the insights. So that's how we do it. We have a scientific instrument, but we built a software platform that makes it actionable every day throughout all your existing platforms at a company. This dual piece where we measure more, more quickly and then deliver it in a consumable way is what's making this ubiquitous and why clients like Coca-Cola Southwest Beverages, Lyft, Bank of the West, Dollar General, Aflac, Ashley Furniture 
are using a platform like this, not only for collaboration and communication, but for understanding the culture at every level of the organization, as well as using it for hiring for predictive performance. That is an amazing roster of, uh, of clients you've got there, one. Jeez. Um, okay, let's... Let's let's get a bit more uh, big blue sky for a moment, okay? We, we, we've just gone into uh, some of the weeds when we talk about the how of the technology, but let, let's just uh, step up, step back a moment, and uh, and talk in more general terms about uh, HR and leadership. Do, do you think that the aim should be to to find candidates that match up with the values of of the company one, or actually should organisations be looking to hire people who can help to evolve the corporate culture and mission? Great question. Um, and with data and with performance over the last six years, we actually have that answer. It depends. It depends where you are in the journey of the company and what your challenges are. So when you're a small startup with 10 to 15 employees and you've now grown the company from zero to a million dollars in revenue, for instance, that most likely very creative, innovative culture Usually from one to 10 million, you need to put in more process procedure to scale. And so you probably want your current employees and employees you're hiring to not actually continue being the same, but to complement. doesn't mean you lose the innovation and creativity. It means you also are able to, to uh, onboard more customers without making mistakes because you have more process and procedure. And so you're a little uh, more stable as a culture. And so in one area, as an example, you don't want to just match and hire more of the same. That's basically hiring who you like. In this startup example, you want to actually add culture um, or or complement the current culture for the next stage of the company. Um, at 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 a big company, let's say uh, Aflac, they might have a call center of two thousand agents. Whether they're working at home or working at corporate headquarters they probably have a profile that seems to work. And so of 28 psychometric profiles, there could be three or four elements that explain success for high-performing agents. In that example, for customer service agents who are all doing very similar tasks and trying to do it quickly, they probably do want to what we call cloning that high-performance culture of an individual and actually hire more of that person. So there you probably do want to match performance. Same with a salesperson or a team of salespeople at Salesforce in California selling to the technology vertical industry. You could look at your 500 salespeople, pull out with human intelligence, the top 100 uh, profiles of the best performers, the bottom 100 and the middle, and see what explains why the high performers perform. And you probably want to train your low performers to be more like that, but also then hire people with those behaviors, those motivations, and those work styles of the high performer. So as you can see, another example is to clone or match the culture. The last and third example I'll give is for a team, a team leader. So at Coca-Cola headquarters, at um, Bank of the West, okay, at PwC, BCG, in the white collar roles at headquarters or consulting firms at Fortune 500, you're usually working cross-functionally. You're usually solving complex problems. You probably want diversity of thought on your team. Unfortunately, for the last 50 years, a great recruiting process ends with the final five candidates going on that super Saturday or going into the office. And the team that's hiring for that person from leader to, to subordinates vote on who they like the most. Unfortunately, that is a broken process where you just get more of the same and you're just matching what exists and you're not guaranteeing diversity of thought. 
So for those clients of ours that want diversity of thought, they actually hire for teams to add culture or add something complementary. And so that is what we do as a third example. So again, some startups you want to change to where you're moving, big companies with one role that has many employees like call center or sales, you might want to clone. And then for any just regular team, white collar workers at a headquarters, um, you might want, or who work cross-functionally, you probably want to add culture and have diversity of thought, all depending on the company, the industry, and what you're trying to do. Um, and a fourth example, quite frankly, is uh, the strategy changes. You might want to change your culture and not continue. So whether it's a, a, a pandemic hitting with a, a, a virus that forces every company to go remote, well, that changes the culture for 2022 or 2021. You might want to change your culture. Um, you might have, be a company that sells $2 million medical equipment and that market's getting small. So you created smaller products that sell for $10,000 that instead of six month lead time, they close in, in, in three meetings. That's a separate culture that now your sales team would have to have a new culture. Uh, when Starbucks, for example, goes from people picking up in store and standing in store to baristas that I don't have to go out to the curbside and deliver, that might be a new culture on delivering service at a Starbucks. So as you can see, it's infinite, the examples that when a strategy changes based on macroeconomic or competitive needs or technology, your culture should also change. So culture... Um, and how you hire for it and manage for it should be something that's evaluated with data, a company like Human Intelligence, every year at the beginning of the year when companies look at their strategies, their objectives, their goals, and their measures, they should look at how culture supports that or if those things are changing, how culture should change as well. What are, the, what are some of the potential consequences then, Juan, of, of not hiring in a way that, that tries to ensure that new employees are, are a culture fit? I'm, I'm now a little bit uncomfortable with this term culture fit from hearing everything that you've just been talking about, for example, with diverse, diversity of thought. Um, so maybe the, that question should be uh, trying to ensure that new employees at least match up with the, the, the bigger why of an organization, to use a Simon Sinek term. Yes. And we love Simon Simic. If you're listening, Simon, we'd love for you to be our spokesperson. Everything you talk about, we've built a platform to enable it. <laughs> so please feel free to reach out, Simon. Um, so back to the four examples of whether you hire to culture match or hire to culture add, um, you know, the two polar opposites or anywhere in the middle. I'll give you conversely, if you don't do that, what happens? So startup example, human intelligence. We were really creative in our B behaviors. We were very innovative in our M motivators, and we were very creative and change-oriented in our work styles. That was great to launch the company and get to about half a million, but we stalled. We couldn't keep growing, and we didn't know why. So we actually created a target culture tool, a feature that me as a leader and anyone now who buys our platform can use. I then set what is missing? What's our new strategy? Oh, we want to be scalable. We don't want to do one-offs. We want process. We want to be able to predict revenue, predict issues. Very different psychometric and culture for the team and, in fact, for the company at the time of 15 people. So we set that and we started to grow. So there, for a startup, for instance, that does not change their culture and hire for that new culture of intention to, to, to support structure, process, and growth, um, you don't grow and you'll fail. And that's why most startups fail. It's not 
because of the cliche that the CEOs say, oh, I wasn't able to keep the, the culture and keep hiring the same. It's actually the opposite. We've proven that it's actually CEOs of startups. When they get to one or two million, they keep hiring more of the same. And in fact, they need a different culture to support the next phase. That is one of the biggest fallacies of startup culture is to keep what they had. <laughs> We've proven that wrong. Second example that I gave, if COVID hits and you need to change your culture to be one more that works remote where it's instead of all the structure and infrastructure being in place where people can just be belonging and kind of support, you probably need more of a startup and a self-starter and independent self-reliant type culture. And if you don't change and don't train people to be able to do that or set them up at their homes to be able to do that remotely or put the technology in place, that organization that might've been high performing with all those people could fail. We had one of the top five call center companies that was doing 10,000 assessments a month for several years, went from a headquarters where you had 5,000 agents to work remote from home. This is even before COVID. And what they found were that the highest performers at the corporate office that would love to drive there and have lunch with colleagues and be in a big, you know, huge floor with thousands of agents, they ended up, the top performers failing when they went home. They were kind of lost. And a lot of the people who were failing agents at the headquarters, when they were then set up at home by themselves, they became top performing uh, uh, call center agents. So again, you know, you, you, your company will succeed or fail if you don't align the culture of your team and your function and your organization to the strategy that you're trying to achieve. The last example, top four automaker in the United States. They've been a client of ours for five years. Okay. Imagine their horror when they have on their website that they are a creative, innovative brand, yet all the consumer reports and product uh, uh, um, uh, feedback from customers was that they weren't innovative. And even though every single employee on their quote unquote engagement surveys, which is a lot of wasted money, <laughs> um, the engagement survey showed that 99% of people at the company believed that they were a creative and innovative company. And that's all they said. And that's because they memorized it and the company bashed them with t-shirts and slogans about that. The reality was they had no people in the company who had anything to do with creative innovative. So we went in did the culture assessment, they realized that for most of the product development and sales organization and marketing organization, there was no creativity, no innovation, no change-oriented mindsets. And so they then started to train and develop these people with our tool. They went from losing 1% market share every year for five years to actually gaining market share and changing the net promoter score influence of being more change and creative uh, in the products and, and services. And so we literally transformed a top five automaker from losing market share to gaining market share by aligning their culture to what the strategy was, which was to create creative and innovative products. That is one of the best examples how this can derail and crush a company. And it can also lead to a company being the highest performing company in their industry. We've only got a few minutes left already of this interview. And I've got a few more questions for you. So I'm going to change up the pace. A little sure. bit with you one okay i'm going to challenge you um of course our audience today that is a big mix but believe it or not lots of them are hr pros um so in 90 seconds or less how can hr support efforts to make the kind of hires that increase the the diversity of thought that you were talking about earlier yeah so they need to use a tool like human intelligence, and now there are many others that are coming out that, that are copying us, which is fine, but they need to find a tool that measures the psychometrics in an easy, economical way for any one team 
that they're looking to hire for. And if, if that team is built with all innovative, creative mavericks and they need more structure and harmonizers to hire for that other, other thing. So HR and talent acquisition should start thinking about not just cloning what they have and more of the same and letting people just hire who they like, but they should really look at data to see how do they add culture? How do they add diversity of thought? And so these visualizations and these types of tools give them the data to go back to team leaders and say, hey, of these four candidates, we understand all of you love Janet and she's like finishing your sentences for you, but maybe Monica or Javier, even though you guys didn't like them as much in the interview process, they actually would add a new dimension to your team. And you guys are very, let's say, decisive and, and innovative and self-starters, but you're complaining that you guys don't work well with other teams of the company. So you're not service oriented or belonging with the company. You're complaining that, you know, you're making some mistakes. So maybe you should add someone deliberate and who's service and belonging. The reason you didn't like that person was because they're not like you. And so being open to hire people not like yourself is one of the most transformational things that's gonna happen across companies. And the only way you can do it is with data because then you can say, even though it might feel uncomfortable, the data shows that this person will actually add culture to this team, to this group, or to this company. Okay, so that's the HR side. Let's uh, let's just touch a little bit on um, TA professionals. Your, your module, Hire Guru, is designed to give recruiting firms expert insights on how candidates will fit into their clients' team culture and, and available roles. How, how can that be a USP then, a unique selling point for, for recruiters during during this great resignation, that, which we're going to continue to see all the way through 2022, listeners, I guarantee you, and probably into next year as well? Yeah, so recruiters at every level, whether it's, you know, in the world that I played in with uh, as a partner at Corn Ferry and Hydric and Struggles in my own executive search firm, when you... Up until now, it's hiring for fit and it's all in your head what you think the leader would like. And it's kind of like a very kind of, um, you know, subjective way. Now you don't just give a 12-minute a, a test to the candidate, but also to the leader and to the team. And now you can show that leader of an executive team, hey, although you're hiring a CFO or a CMO or a CIO, do you want them to think and solve problems the same way as the rest of the organization? And, and sometimes the answer is yes. Um, or do you want them to bring a change in direction of how things happen in the culture of this executive team? So the ELT, the executive leadership team, do you want all the same or somewhat different? And so a tool like this, Hire Guru, will help make quicker hires because you can also then not interview 50 people, but actually give it to the 50 best resumes and actually just present the three that will either support the current team culture or change it if so be it that that's what the hiring manager wants. At the mid-level and lower-level roles, how many times have people hired a director level or manager through LinkedIn and you get 500 to 1,000 applicants? Well, what a great tool. So instead of having to go through all the resumes first, why don't you actually see what works or what the hiring manager wants with the human intelligence tool and then give it to the 100 or 1,000 applicants. It doesn't cost you any money to give the actual assessment. And then it'll tell you the five people who are like what you're looking for then look at the resume and present the best two. It puts recruiting upside down and starts with the more predictor of success as the first filter, which is culture fit. And when we say culture fit, either clone or complement, so culture add or culture match, okay? 
before you do the filter on the skills or on the resume. The skills and the resume is only 30% predictive. The culture fit, again, adding culture or matching culture is 70, 70%. That's a way that recruiters can use Hire Guru and save 80% of the time, hire quicker, that's more line, and then they can give a guarantee of over a year that the person will stay there. Excellent. And just finally for today, Juan, uh, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe you want to share your email, tell them about your LinkedIn, maybe you're really, really cool and you're all over TikTok. Um, and how can they learn more about what's going on over at Human Intelligence? Great. Thanks, Bill. So you can write to me at Juan, J-U-A-N, at Human Intelligence. We've combined two words and cut out the middle two letters, I-N. So it's Juan at Human Intelligence. H-U-M-A-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-C-E dot com. Um, or you can call me at 305-916-9707. If I don't answer, just send me a text message and I'll schedule time with you. I'm very accessible. Awesome. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Juan, thank you so much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. And as, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 